Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes and with me as always every single Tuesday, except maybe next Tuesday, is Jansen Mizrak, Pete Lineweber. Guys, hello, welcome to Tuesday. <laughs> Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship. Uh, you guys each get 60 seconds to talk about what you want. Um, who would like to go first? I'll go. Pete, go. Uh, I have to eat my words first. Um, I said on a on a podcast a couple months ago when we were talking about Tiger, whether or not he would come back and play just to play, kind of ceremoniously. And I made a joke about Phil or at his expense that uh, he's doing that right now and has been doing that. And uh, turns out that wasn't the case. He came out and pretty much decimated a good field uh, on like what was that the longest course. In major championship yeah, one history, of, one of the longest, with his dreaded two wood, um, he was going after every drive I saw, which was kind of cool to see a fifty, almost fifty-one year old kind of blow out a field of young guns. Um, and I think to bring Tiger into play, I think this motivates him a little bit more. I think if you're Tiger sitting at home right now, um, nursing these injuries he's got, you got to be motivated by that. He's four years. Uh, four years younger than Phil, so if he's able to come back miraculously from this accident, then that'd be pretty darn cool. So that's 60 seconds exactly. Thank wow. you, Jansen. Your timer starts now. Phil, 50, coming back, terrible couple years. He comes back, incredible preparation, mm -hmm. gets the job done. You thought it was going to be a fluke. He goes through his process. He changes up his training like super cool. I saw an article that said that mentally he was not staying present with every single shot. And I think that just comes from so much experience. Like, why would I want to play more golf? Why? How do you get yeah. fired up to play in these events? And I think maybe the Champions Tour spice it up a little bit for him. I think he still gets fired up for majors, but obviously not playing to the fill we used to know. And I think that part of that is his age. But he said he's been playing like, 27 36 48 holes a day just to build up his endurance so the 18 holes feels like it's nothing when it comes to his mindfulness training and his, mm -hmm. his meditation so he's definitely doing a lot of that stuff and i think it's very cool and it paid off some going through a cool process thank you uh, my only takeaway is that i thought the fans were severely disrespectful to tiger woods's uh <laughs> iconic win at east lake uh, the comeback i can't agree more when they rushed the they rushed the, you know, the hole after him, like out of excitement. A disgrace. Whereas it's great that Phil won, but it's not like he was, he wasn't really on this like comeback journey. Uh, I don't know. Like it's not as, uh, I, you can't compare it. You can't say it's a comeback, but you can say that it's like a statement of, I'm still one of the greatest I'm yeah. like, guys. Look at me. I'm so good. I, <laughs> I got to disagree with you, Andy. I, I think, um, part of that, you know, uh, crowd, and this issue with the crowd coming out onto the 18th hole and kind of following Phil was probably the fact that we haven't really had fans like that in almost a year and a half now. And you got to imagine the drinks were flowing that day. So 
uh, first kind of first real fan experience for a lot of those people uh, at a pretty cool golf course and a 50 year old winning a, a tournament, winning a major. Um, I don't blame the people for for rushing the 18th, and I don't think it it minimizes Tiger's 2018 because I think that if you look at the crowd from that, that was a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, but well, there was a time, you know, a long time ago where, like in college basketball, if just say like an unranked Iowa team beat number one ranked Michigan mm-hmm. State at home, they would storm the court, mm-hmm. and it was it was like thrilling. It's like wow, you knocked off the number one team. You're the Iowa Hawkeyes. You're not very good. Like, you got it done. Nowadays, like, number five, North Carolina beats number four, Duke, and they rush the court. And it's like yeah. there's not the same amount of, uh, you know, sacredness right. to it. And so we, I, I'm just worried about the slope of, like, what if if There's Xander wins next year? Are we gonna <laughs> we gonna run down the you know the fairway with him? No, of uh, course not. There's only two guys that have that that draw: uh, Tiger and Phil. Know. So you're you telling give me, me another person that would make that happen? You're telling me Spieth. Yeah, yeah. You're telling me if <laughs> maybe, Spieth wins maybe the U.S. Spieth. Open this next month and the fans rush the 18th hole, you're, you'd be shocked. Like I would not be shocked. It's if like, it's Spieth, no, I wouldn't be shocked. If it's Xander, yeah, I'd be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the best players in the well, world and has point. been one of the best it, for a few years. It's two right now, but if we, if there's, an, it happens next one, it could be that would be three. Well, we'll cross so. that bridge when when we get there. Saying, if we get was, there, I I agree with Peter though. There's only two people that could get it's a two guys like that. Nobody's rushing if Brooks won. Think about yeah, exactly. Think about the the PGA from 2018 down in St. Louis, like that crowd after when Tiger got second place. He didn't even win the tournament. He got second place. The crowd. After, I know it wasn't like a rush of the 18th hole, but like there's a video of him like crossing the um, the bridge to get from 18th green to like the scoring tent, and the crowds are just massive. Like there's only two guys that do that, I think. And to your analogy of college basketball, buzzer beaters. They happen all the time, so like that opportunity arises all the time. A 50-year-old winning a major or a 44-year-old Tiger Woods who's been out for 10 years winning a major is a little bit different, I think. That, that opportunity only comes around once in a, in a decade or in a, in a generation. So if Tiger wins again, like... It'll happen again. They're going to rush... The- and People it should might rush it and then start setting off firecrackers. If it if that happens again, <laughs> it'll be bigger. It'll be bigger than Phil. Still what times if Phil two. Wins, like a Champions Tour event where he's driving a golf, a golf cart. <laughs> Are they going to rush the field for that one? No, no, they're not. He's already won two of them. You only I think you only see people rushing the green in a major. Yeah, I just or like East Lake. Yeah, I, but that was like that was Tiger. That was the yeah, the comeback. Huge. It's two people. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think there's two guys. Those scenes put those two events on the same level, in my opinion. They're and, not. And one they're, was a major and one was a, a PGA Tour event with yeah, 30 guys they're in They're not. It. Like like you're saying, there's only two guys. I still think those two guys are at completely different levels. 100% agree. But then the, then the next level after Phil is like is massive. Who's next after that? Speed or Rory? <laughs> Xander. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. Rory. Yeah, if Rory wins, uh, like you, people love Rory. They're yeah, gonna, but Rory going to want to run out there. Rory hasn't had a slump like Spieth, and Spieth, I think, is more loved by American fans than Rory is. Well, I guess time will tell. I'm just saying, I know. put it out there. I know, I know. It's a line needs to be drawn at some point. Yeah, great. 
I'd be kind of freaked out if that happened to me. A bunch of sweaty drunk guys coming up and bumping into me, trying to grab and wave and yeah. pictures in my face. Like, yeah, somebody grabbed Phil. There's like a picture of some guy who like kind of put his arm around him and like pulled him. Play. Yeah, I'm still playing here, man. Do you guys think like Phil winning? Because Phil was like up until this week, like wasn't in the top twenty all year. Mm-hmm. Like didn't finish top twenty once. Like, missed a bunch of cuts. Horrible at driving. Like, is golf just like more random than we think? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it wasn't a fluke that he won. I mean, he is statistically. I mean, he. No, of course. But, you know but what it I mean? Still is but like he was but never it is crazy. Yeah. He was that, like a hundred ninety-eighth in strokes gained tee to green, and then this week was first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Like makes that's no, insane. That makes, that makes no sense. It's not like he like. Learned a good tip this last week yeah, that no. made him go from 200. No, I think to that's first. your answer right there that it is so random. So random. Yeah. But he has so much experience to draw back on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean. Like every story is like he has experience. He's been working on his mental game. Yeah. He's been doing all this. He's been doing all of these things. And but so, it's also so like, you're like, yeah, of he, course he's gonna yeah, win. Uh, of course yeah. he. Of course he won. It makes sense. But if yeah. he, but if he would have choked it away and, yeah. and like, or if he would have missed double, you'd be like. Oh well, that's just what he does. Because yeah, he, you know, yeah he or if he had stink. missed the cut, like he, it would no one would have been like all of those things leading up to the tournament would have been true, and like they're all going to be true at mm-hmm. going into the U.S. Open. But like that's not going to make him a favorite to U.S. Open. Can you imagine yeah. if he wins that? <laughs> the wins the U.S. Open. And do you think people would rush the hole? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To win the career uh, Grand Slam after his history in the U.S. Open, probably. Yeah. All right. Two in if, a row. How many majors in a row would Phil have to win before they stop rushing the the, the hole? Two. So next time would be so the last. So British? You don't think they would rush at the no, British? No, I don't. Yeah, they're it's because they're more well behaved. Well, they did idiots. it for Tiger in two thousand at St Andrews. Oh. That was crazy though. He won by like eight shots. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that's way too much time on Phil, in my opinion. Hey, congrats to Phil. I'll uh, I'll eat my words, like I said. The thrill. All right, for our main topic this week, we got we got two options. Do you want do you want something deep, or do you want something about choose? Yeah, you got to choose. Do you want something deep, or do you want something about um, playing a half set of clubs? It's a little behind the scenes stuff here. The listeners are listening to. Mm. I mean, we'll get to the other one at some point. Something I, deep, neither, or something about half set. Yeah, neither are time sensitive, so. I would go. We've done a couple deep ones in a row. I'd go with the half set. Yeah, let's go. I I was about to say we've done we've gone. All right. Yeah. Brain blown deep. Yeah. So we've been. I'm still times. I'm still recovering from Seriously. the last couple. So. Well, this, Tom, this chair needs to stop spinning. <laughs> so, um, um, sorry, I was gathering my thoughts. Last week, Chris and I met with Scott Fawcett who mm. we've been talking about on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot. And he kind of reco- – we got his app for all of our M360 students um, into his course management stuff. And he – and in this video like we that we were like screen recorded and we watched it all last week, he talked about these stats that Tiger keeps called the Tiger 5. And so like when Tiger was playing his best, he only tracked five stats each each round to see, you know, where he was – you know, what he was scoring at. Um, and so let me find, let me find them here. The the tiger five are, he tracks three putts, blown, easy saves, like easy up and downs, bogeys on par five, 
double bogeys and a bogey with a nine iron or less. So nine iron. So those are basically the the stats that he thought were most important. Whereas like, mm-hmm. so if he made a double bogey, he'd be like, well, like why did I do that? Like I must have like done something wrong that I could control. You know, that's kind of outside the realm of just like hitting a normal bad shot. Mm-hmm. But also, what's interesting about it is that these things, three putts, easy up and downs, bogeys on par fives, double bogeys, bogeys nine or less. These are not, they're not like hard things to be good at, right? Like par fives are pretty easy to make a par for you know for some people. Um, easy to get up and down if you practice a little bit. Easy not to three putt if you practice um, mm-hmm. and have solid technique. And so, my question in the way this relates to playing with fewer clubs is like could it be that playing with less than 14 clubs would make it easier for you to do well at these stats uh yeah i think so at least a couple of them i I think the putters obviously the three putt thing is the same as if you were using 14 um but as far as like double bogey avoidance I think you have to think about your tee shots a lot more uh, and what clubs you're putting in the bag when you have less than 14. You might not have driver in there at all. You might have three wood or four iron or whatever it is. So that um, probably helps at least a little bit. I don't know about the nine iron or less. What do you guys think about that one? Because you have less clubs under a nine iron. Yeah. But it's a boat. But the thing is, is you're trying to make a boat a par. You're you're, just, mm-hmm. you're trying to avoid a bogey when you have a yeah. nine iron in your hand, and so how often you can imagine people with a nine iron say, "Oh, I only have a nine iron. I go and right at this pin. They miss the green. Mm-hmm. They're short sighted." Whereas if for tight, you know, in Tiger's thing, he's just trying to make a par with mm-hmm. a nine iron, um, where it almost like simplifies. Like if if like according to Tiger, to play well, he needs to do well at these five stats. He doesn't need to hit three hundred yard drives. He doesn't need to make a ton of birdies. He just needs to kind of avoid these, like, relatively simple mm-hmm. things to do. And so I'm wondering if it somehow could help if you didn't have all your clubs because it's like, oh, I have a, I'm 120 out. I'm just trying to make a par. And you'll still make some birdies, um, but you'll also stop making stupid mistakes. I think uh, with 9-9 nine, nine or less, even with less clubs, it sounds like the, the even though you have nine iron or less, the game plan is simplified. Yeah. And if it's simplified in certain categories, like Tiger is saying, I think lower scores are right around the corner. Because mm-hmm. you're not trying to, well, I hit a great drive. I have a nine iron. I'm trying to go, and like you say, I'm trying to go right at it. You make a stupid mistake. You're short-sighted. You two-chip, or you chip it and two-putt, and you make a bogey. Mm-hmm. Um so I think a simpler game plan is great. I think that portion of it from with less clubs from a nine iron or in, you have to practice more and, and know your distance control or have, you know, one or two kind of quote unquote stock shots with a nine or with a pitching wedge or whatever your wedge setup is, uh, with with that portion of the bag. But I'm I'm more interested in the in the chipping portion because you're not gonna have all your wedges. You're mm-hmm. only gonna have you know, a select few or maybe even just one wedge that you use around the green. And so I think, again, your arsenal of shots around the greens is, is more simplified, like an easy chip. What was it he said his number two was easy, easy up and downs or yeah. easy yeah. saves, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what's your what's your stock little chip shot look like with mm-hmm. 
you know, your 56 degree, maybe it's not your 58 or your yeah. 60 degree where you start sliding under it or chunking it or, or whatnot. Yeah, but so. I mean, maybe this doesn't have to be about fewer clubs. Maybe it's just the idea of trying to play better by focusing on these stats and mm-hmm. like simplifying, I guess, simplifying your game and like what you're trying to think about. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you say, I would, you, you'd probably say that most of your students, they, try what do you say they try too many shots around the green they're not even they try to hit high medium and low with with three different wedges and they're actually not very good at any of those where you'd rather just say hey just get good at like a stock shot with your 56 and you'll probably be fine for 95 percent of the shots for sure Mm -hmm. for sure i was like when i'm teaching short game i was like saying like okay we got to work this stock shot it's got to be repeatable just get good at one thing just get good at one one and then Okay, there's little adjustments we can make to make a change, but really mm-hmm. it's you could just change the club to a 50-degree or gap wedge to hit it a little lower or yeah. a higher lofted one, but it's still your stock swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be an open face, different ball position, bigger mm-hmm. swing, different tempo. Like That's so many variables. So yeah. You just start rattling off. and uh, Yeah, I see a lot of people. I, did a, I was telling Pete this. I did a playing lesson. I think I told you about it too, Andy, over the weekend. I did a playing lesson with some kids over the – uh, last week and I was so caught off guard with how a couple of them played because they've been hitting it wonderfully in our lessons and I've been like I know how well they're hitting and their potential yeah. and they look like completely different golfers out mm-hmm. there on the um on the golf course it was a little it's kind of scary <laughs> it was yeah. like what who are you like what's going on uh and there's just this excitement and the um, urgency to hit the ball or or want to, oh, I see the shot, I want to do mm-hmm. this. Like I, one of them said, hey, coach, I'm going to try and hit the, like a little low cut here. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? It's like, well, the pin's on the right, so I wanted to hit a low cut. <laughs> like <laughs> Middle of the fairway, yeah. middle of the green. Yeah. I'm like, dude, there's no reason we even need to hit a, like, I'm like, yeah. no, yeah. We, we're working to draw on your swing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's yeah, because I. I, okay, you want to say something? No, I was just oh. going to agree. I think the uh, excitement level is different when you're playing on the course than when you're on the range. It's so, uh, different. It's so different because you don't get to play as much, nearly as much as you get, to, at least for most golfers, you don't get to play as much on the course as you do uh, on the driving range. So it's a different level of excitement of focus or lack thereof when you're on the course because you're almost like let that excitement get ahead of your focus and then you're just like, all right, I got to hit this shot. Oh, that's so, a great, I like what you said there, excitement ahead of your focus. Yeah. And when in reality, like when you're practicing, it's usually the opposite. You're fo- at least it should be on paper is your focus is ahead of your excitement because for most people practicing isn't that, that exciting or that fun. So it's a different level once you're on the course and that's definitely something that's learned, I would imagine. I didn't, I, when I was, I'm sure that the kids you were giving a lesson to the other day, when I was their age, I was probably the same way mm-hmm. when I was on the course. Yeah. Try to hit shots that I just don't have in my arsenal or that I just have no business trying at all. Yeah. Yeah. There's Matt. Do you know the golfer Matt Jones? He won, he's like from Australia. He yeah. won mm-hmm. Honda. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. The one at PGA National. Mm-hmm. And he said, Afterwards, he said he he was doing well because it was like really windy. And he said when he plays in the wind, he always plays better because he takes more conservative shots because mm-hmm. he doesn't, you know, what for whatever reason, like go at everything. So this is like, so basically he plays smarter and gives himself a better chance to win when it's windy. So it's like, why couldn't he just do that every time when mm-hmm. it's not windy? But even though, but, but apparently he's a PGA Tour player and he can't figure out 
the simple like thing who's yeah. won on tour. So like sometimes like playing simpler or more conservative is not like a, su- a super easy thing to do. And so that's kind of where I'm go- maybe getting at with some of this is like if like when you're playing and you don't have you don't have like a perfect number in and you know you have to do hit some sort of like a weird shot. You you guys probably take like more conservative lines. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you don't For sure. You yeah, you whereas definitely. if you have a full shot, you're going to be you're just going to be more aggressive with the shot. And so like Scott Fawcett would say that most people are like way too aggressive with their shots. And so I wonder if just the general thought of like oh, I have a I have to choose between a pitching wedge and an eight iron because I it's not my nine you know I don't have my nine iron but it's a perfect nine iron distance like you're just gonna choose a smart shot to play mm-hmm. and you're probably gonna be fine and you're probably not gonna make a you know a double bogey but if you haw off and you know, like perfect nine iron pins back left they but oh it actually wasn't perfect it was a little bit less and I hit it over the green and now yeah. you make double bogey like there's some i think it's almost like a, a an exercise or a practice in in strategy to to think about it in those ways like it's just too it's hard to yeah. to do i don't know yeah the half set it, it almost forces you to play smarter because you don't have the option of hitting that full 9 iron or that full 8 iron when in reality like it's forcing you to hit that kind of softer more conservative 7 iron uh, or or 8 iron or whatever it is so yeah i think it definitely for, almost you're almost like the only option is to play smart because you don't have that really aggressive line to the hole because you don't have the carry with a certain club. Yeah, and and so he's like Tiger. Like the Fawcett also says the difference between shooting ninety five, someone who averages ninety five, and someone who averages seventy nine. They only, the person who shoots seventy nine only makes one more birdie per round. So that's sixteen shots, but only one of them is birdie. So it's all about kind of avoiding these easy mistakes mm-hmm. that people make too much. It's not yeah. about like, oh, I have to hit everything closer to the pin. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing Hank Haney a couple years ago say something of, like something similar to what Tiger's five stats are, was like if any golfer at any level can focus on not double chipping, not three-putting, and avoiding penalty shots, and those three things will lead to lower scores. And it sounds really simple when you hear it. It's like, well, yeah, no duh. But, again, similar to Tiger's thing, those sound simple too, but they're – in reality, we just aren't focused enough to to kind of uh, improve on those statistics. And the same thing as Hank says, and it's no coincidence that that he was his coach for six or seven years or whatever it was. But it's those little things that that make the difference between a twenty handicap and a three handicap. Like you said, a a guy who shoots ninety five and a guy who shoots seventy nine. It's bogey avoidance and double bogey avoidance. Yeah. So maybe it's just that people do, or we don't. It's hard to. Under, it's golf isn't obvious about like what it takes to actually play good golf or like what we think takes to play good golf is like hitting perfect shots but it's actually just not three putting not duffing your chips not hitting out of bounds yeah, which is yeah. not that hard you know i guess depending on the course if you're playing at deerfield i hate that course <laughs> you're gonna hit some balls in the woods why do you hate that course have you ever played hole two yeah it's is that the par five? Par five. You can measure this on Google Earth. There's only 35 yards between penalty areas on your tee shot. Like Oof. the statistically smart play would literally be to hit a six iron. And this is what this is what Scott Fawcett would tell a tour player to do. He'd tell him to hit a six iron on hole two, which is a par five. I remember playing in an IJGA event there when I was probably 14 or 15 and hitting four iron off the tee and then hitting three wood. Yeah. And like planning to do that. That was my plan going into the round was to go four iron, three wood. I think I birdied it. Yeah. 
right. and like what kind yeah. of hole it's, yeah, it's a, super it's a hole. weird hole because yeah. he opens up more doesn't it towards you when you get towards bit. the green yeah, at least yeah, a little bit it does yeah. it does a little bit but yeah it's such a goofy tee shot that, that's how the whole front nine is out there yeah. it's so goofy so when i hear uh i i feel like uh Fawcett has stumbled, up, uh, maybe not stumbled, but he has the proof or the backing of this happy medium between being maybe aggressive and I guess you could say with that very committed to the shot mm-hmm. or like like the intensity of an intention of wanting to pull it off because it's kind of you know the, the sweet shot to pull off or whatnot and or what we say all the time, a more conservative play where someone might not be as committed to it because I find myself when I'm in between numbers, even with the half set that I, if, if I'm go with the maybe more conservative play or middle of the green or more club and like take a little off of it, I actually still get myself pretty pumped up of like, dude, swing this, like mm-hmm. commit yeah. to this. Yeah. Don't take too much off mm-hmm. of it or don't, don't get cute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I, maybe I am taking that more aggressive line, I know I'm bringing more risk in the play. I know that and I'm okay with that and I'm going to make a good golf swing at it. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's not either of those. It's not a, a black or white decision of you have to be aggressive and risky or conservative and uncommitted. It's yeah. committed to smart lines. Yeah, that's what Tiger says. He plays aggressively to and his I love that. Tar- yes. conservative target. Yeah. And there's a story, like Joe LaCava, after one round, they like asked the shot of the day or something, and he's like, it was a, like a five iron that they hit into a par five at Torrey Pines, and he ended up being 50 feet from the hole, but it's like they were aiming at this guy in the orange shirt and he like hit it right. It was like yeah. a hole in one, basically. Like it was the exact perfect shot he wanted to hit, but yeah. it ended up with a 50 foot putt for Eagle, um, which is a wild thing to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, that commitment to whatever you decide to do, it being committed to make a good golf swing, regardless if you feel like you're going to bring more risk into play or you are playing that more, I just hate the word conservative. Yeah. You no, know? it's possible. It would just say the math. There's no th- such thing as conservative and aggressive. There's just a mathematically correct target for yeah. every shot. And <laughs> like the easiest way to explain it's, it. You argue that. Is, <laughs> the easiest way to explain it is like if you're, if you're hitting, you can imagine hitting 10 balls on the driving range with your favorite club. You're going to hit some of them to the left of where you're aimed. Some are going to be to the right of where you're aimed. Some are going to be a little bit long. Some are going to be a little bit short. Some might be perfect, but chances are like you'll never hit a shot exactly you know, perfect. And so because, so then when you play on the course, you're not sure if this shot you hit is going to be the one that misses left or the one that misses right or the one that misses long or the one that misses short. And so you kind of need to account for that when choosing mm-hmm. your target. So if you're hitting a seven iron uh, into at a pin, but to the, like 10 yards left of the pin is water, like you shouldn't be aiming close to that because 25% of your shots are going to be in the water yeah. and that's too high of a percentage so you're taking a bad target. Like, that would be a yeah. mathematically bad shot. And that's hit. what's the best. Uh, sorry, were you going to Well, going? I guess it just it doesn't mean, like, you're always having hitting to the middle of the green and always having a 30-foot putt because if, let's say, the same shot where you have a 7-iron, but now you're aimed or your target's at the middle of the green, let's say the ball comes that you actually pull to the left. Now that ball is really close to yeah. the hole. So you'll somehow have the same percentage of shots that are really close to the hole, just the ones that end up close to the hole you weren't actually aimed there, yeah. which is yeah. a hard thing to get for people to get over. Yeah. Or if right. the pin's in front, the ball that ends up close to the pin is actually the one that you like catch a little bit heavy. Mm-hmm. And so that's like that's how these guys are playing 
golf now. Yeah. And it's just weird to wrap your head around. Yeah, I was going to say something on, along those lines. I remember watching the 2015 players when Ricky won. And in that playoff, he hit on 17, he hit a wedge to like four feet right of the pin. Yeah. That, and I don't, I don't know if the announcers said something about it, but maybe one of them did. But it was just like, you know that he wasn't aimed at that spot. Yeah. Because no. if he was aimed right of the pin there, anything two feet right is in the water. Yeah. And he's, he loses the tournament. You got to think he was probably aiming 10 feet left of the pin and just pushed it. And it just goes like to three feet. And like that's a great feeling. Uh, and most people watching that were probably like, wow, what, a, what an aggressive line. But it, in reality, it was probably a little bit of a miss for mm-hmm. him. And that yeah. happens all the time. If if those guys are playing according to Scott Foss's theory of like the, the mathematically yeah. correct target or mathematically correct line, they're going to hit some missed shots that are going to go really close. You're going to be like sitting at home, being like, "Wow, that was." Wow, well, these guys they throw darts. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that's why yeah, the I love announcers that quote from Will uh, Zalatoris over the Masters. Did Did you hear that story from him? Probably. Or uh, so. Uh, I, oh, it I can't remember. It was like a, yeah, fourteen he, or or seventeen or yeah, something. He like 17. yeah, he like yeah. stuffs in and they're close. And Zalatoris is walking up the fairway and he hears this guy in the crowd saying, uh, "Wow, this guy just this guy just throws darts. This guy's on <laughs> fire." And Zalatoris is thinking in his head, uh, "Actually, I was aiming over at this ridge and I pushed that shot like five yards offline. Yeah, yeah. and it just happened to end up close and yeah. he made birdie. It was like sweet, but." That's not where he, he intended to hit no. it. But everybody has that persona on TV of because they don't see the shot. They're not yeah. there. Or even if you are there, they don't understand what the game plan is. They're just, wow, these guys take yeah. dead aim. They're mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, and like the announcers are not good at helping you understand because no. there's so, like Matsuyama is like famous for like he has tons of videos where he like hits a <laughs> shot and has a one-handed finish and then it goes mm-hmm. to like three feet and the announcers are like, well, it wasn't that bad, and it's like, well, he probably was aiming like twenty yards left of where that ball ended yeah. up. Like he just got lucky, and so yeah, that's he why he had he the finish. He might have chunked it, and it came up short. Yeah, he was trying to throw it long, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it makes all the sense when you understand that concept. Yeah, yeah. but they just are like, well, but, he has such high expectation, you know? Yeah, like, right? <laughs> it was only five feet from the pin. Like, why is he upset? Well, those videos are awesome, though. Like him, just like he he throw. Because to the average viewer, they're like, what the heck is this guy doing? He's... Yeah, because it makes you think that he's like actually upset yeah. about hitting it to two feet. To two feet but he's yeah. more upset that he missed his spot by a lot. Well, note to self, if you do hit that missed shot and it is going right at the pin, you just got to act like you're like you're just your Tiger Woods yeah. and that you meant to do that. Yeah. But there's a Never Tiger. Admit that. I have this quote somewhere, but I don't, or the stat, I don't know where, what it is exactly. Like up until from Tiger. Up until like the year 2000, he had like 29 hole in ones in his life, and like since the year 2000, he's only had one. So it's (laughs) yeah, so it's like he has started like not trying to hit hole in ones, yeah, and he's gotten really good at golf because of it. So that, like, yeah, to get so it's like if you're it's maybe I don't want to say, I don't know. to say, like, if you're making a ton of hole-in-ones, you're probably not, like, playing great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're playing stupid, right? Like, well, isn't that why a bunch of, like, really mediocre amateur golfers have a lot of hole-in-ones? Because it's just, like, they're they're either aiming at the pin and getting lucky or or they're just getting lucky altogether. Yeah, like, if you have bad, yeah, if you're hitting yeah, a lot of hole-in-ones. There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, your strategy, like, could be could be better. Your yeah. score, if you're having a lot of hole-in-ones, you're not scoring as good as you could. That's... <laughs> 
What a line. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. They could start some internet wars there. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. true. I mean, why, how, what? Fired up. <laughs> Tiger only having one hole in one for like the last 20 years mm-hmm. is maybe the biggest like defender of that. Oh, for sure. I but have more hole in ones than Tiger in the last 20 years. So does that make me wow. great? Peter well, greater than Tiger. You've also shot like 55 at Canal Shores. So. 53. Wow. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> is that the yeah. course record? <laughs> No, I have no idea. It's the unofficial course it record. I have is. no idea. No, because they had a pro tournament there like 30 years ago. There was At guys. Canal Shores? Yes. Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Uh, was what was there? that guy's name uh, that won it? He's a relatively well known golfer. Um, big guy, lefty. Oh, what was his name? Tim Heron. It was Tim Heron. Lumpy. Lumpy. He's from Minnesota. No Tim Heron. There oh. you go. Wasn't he from like Edina, Minnesota He's or from something? Zeta. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, he won it. You can look that up. He oh. won a tournament there. Um, it's kind of sick, but anyway, it's no, it's not the course record, Andy. Uh, I think it's the unofficial one. That's what uh, Carson in the pro shop says to people. So thank Hell you, yeah. Carson. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but I mean, since then though, they they probably have re- like they've removed the blue tees. Yes, exactly. So exactly. the pros were probably playing like so from the current tips. From the it's probably the course record. Okay, I'll take it. Right. Because the pros didn't play from the current tees. Yeah. It's also unofficial because I don't have a signed scorecard or anything like that or anyone's attest to it. I, I have my friend who I was playing with, but I don't have, like, a official scorecard. Did anyone, like, rush the 18th hole as you were walking? <laughs> yeah. People, have, did you guys see that video from, like, Ben Hogan making a putt to win a major and, like, they all rush in to steal his ball? Did you guys see that? Is that what happened? It's no, insane. I, I mean, I'm sorry. You got to no. look it up after the show here. Uh, it is so funny because like there's people that you know how they used to like line the yeah. green. Yeah, yeah. There's people like five or six grown men diving at the <laughs> hole. It's it's remarkable. They get there in like two seconds after he makes the putt. It's crazy. Uh, I recommend you guys go watch that. But uh, forgot where I was going with that. That's like no, the people did not rush. Played uh, yeah. Francis Wilmette, yeah. and he gets hoisted up, and no. you know. Danced around. On That's the that was green. me at, at Canal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the kids from that playground there, like ran over. Yeah, they like knew. They the knew. Moment. They knew. Yeah, huge <laughs> moment. Wow. They rushed the green, just like Phil on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I guess we got a little bit off track there, but I think the half set would help you with those five stats, or at least oh. four of them. The putting again would have no effect, but. Yeah, kind of. Dis- if you want to make an argument for putting, it, and I don't even know if we got to this in the short set manifesto episode, but one of the reasons that I think half set helps with your chipping and putting is because you're always like going different speeds and sizes for mm. your shots. Mm. Where like chipping, you're always, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're always in like a place where you have to create sure. something. And putting, you always have to use your imagination and create something. But if you have all of your, if you have quote quote too many clubs like you're not creating any you're just being yeah. a robot up until oh now i'm at 30 yards like what am i supposed to do it's like a different it's a different mm-hmm. part of your brain that that has to turn on do you know what i mean yeah so uh, all right but yeah whatever. what do you think bryson would do with a half he'd be, i think he'd be great you think so oh he's got his so, like too. whole things of like he's got like a clock system for every yeah. Every uh, yeah, I agree. Club. I think, he, I think like, he'd be yeah. really good. Do you think he'd be uncomfortable? No, I think he'd be fine because it's like the rules allow it. He would just like, mm-hmm. you know what I, I think. If 
there was like a turn if it was like we're gonna play with eight clubs and the winner gets ten million dollars i think bryson would probably be my pick to win i think you'd figure out how to do it mm-hmm. i think yeah if he went out on a weekend with fewer clubs he might be uncomfortable because if you have in your back in your mind like our dear friend steve shrek always has of like um if i want to do my best i need all my clubs like yeah, yeah. some people like that's a hard hurdle to overcome is like, oh, oh, yeah, I feel like I won't, you know, be able to play my absolute best if I'm not using everything I'm, I'm technically allowed to do. And so that's OK. They should do that. They should have a half set tournament, play a normal size golf course on the tour with seven clubs or something. It'd be interesting. Maybe an ex- just an I exhibition should, match I or something. There should be all sorts of different formats. Yeah. It's so boring week to week. That's yeah. why we don't talk about it on this podcast. Yeah. Well, match so the play. The PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is a nonprofit organization. Did you know that? Yes. I did. Whose mission is to provide playing opportunities for its members. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a million commercials because their job is not they don't have to do it like they don't care about growing the game of golf or caring for the fans it's or making just a good you said. product. They just have to make just gotta live under par. So they gotta make money. Let's try to get as much money let's try to get as much money <laughs> for our players as we can. <laughs> and make the players like the players are in charge of it. And so that's why like Patrick Reed has these ruling things and mm-hmm. like they never really talk about it because it's like, oh, everyone's a gentleman out here. Like we're going to be fine. So, yeah, that uh, narrative has got to go away. Yeah. That everybody's a gentleman out here. Mm. They're just lying. Well, I know, but they're a new slogan. No, but it's the <laughs> narrative on tours that these guys. <laughs> it makes sense that it would be. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's a gentleman. That's up there with live under par. Remember that? Yeah. My what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> live under par. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to shoot under par. What does it mean to live under par? That was my favorite one in college when I was back in college. These guys are good. Are good. <laughs> they are good. One of my friends so much. He, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> they mean. All right. Well, I guess we got one minute left. I'll give you a taste of what's coming next time. You guys Ooh, can think about we'll it. It's related. It's related to our uh, to our excuses podcast. Ooh, some, to ooh, some like extent. That. Okay, okay. It's from a guy I heard on a podcast named Neil Allen, who I don't know was a writer or something. He said, "Every, like, every defense, everyone has a, f- everyone has three main fears. Like everything that they're like you're afraid of can be can fit into one of these three categories, and you okay. kind of have defenses for them. And the three are that you might not be, you're afraid you might not be seen." You're afraid you might not be in control, or you're afraid you might not be right. Well, all three of those, you can think of anything. And so, if you think about like yeah. excuses or like, mm-hmm. and anything is all related to those things. Like, if you're in, a, if someone's in a divot, you're gonna make sure everyone else knows. Like, I gotta make sure I'm like seeing mm-hmm. that this shot Guys, is you not. See this lie. Yeah, right. You're not gonna. Yeah, look it's like it's when you walk lie. up to a bunker and your balls plugged, Blood. and you have to be like. Oh. Yeah. You got to give that yeah. that exhaust exactly. just so people hear you. But then, like, so guys, control, heads up, this could go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But in control is one like the excuses of like, oh, I like, I know, I know what I did there. Like, oh yeah, I know why that went to the right. Yeah, like, just yeah. letting everyone know that like, mm-hmm. oh, this is mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, uh, this, this, last is, this one. is fixable. Yeah, um, yeah. Or then, or also, you may not be in control. Those are kind of similar. Of like, yeah, I'm in control of my game, even though I just shot. 110 i want you to know that you know i'm in control like i'm working on it like it's 
So I usually never play like this bad. So we need to keep. So maybe. So next time, I think we'll keep thinking about those. And then I want. That's great. I look forward to that. I want to see if we can come up with like, what is the, like the actual best golf excuse that a person can have. Okay. I don't. Can I clarify? I think I asked this already, but like, what is, what do you define as best? Like the most like common or the most, like the funniest or the. Most golf excuses are just, are horrible. They're not. So the most valid is what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe the most valid. Yeah. And it could be like a a make-believe situation. Could we, could we, like our homework be like some categories or like Mm -hmm. we each three come up with what we think are the three most common. Yeah. The one that we think is the most yes. What was what'd you say the most uh valid. Valid. Okay. Yeah, valid. I don't I don't know if I've really ever heard that many valid excuses well, ever. So. Yeah, 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 for sure. Suppose if you like broke your arm. Well, because you like you what when we played <laughs> was it the first hole where you before you even hit a shot, you're like, I switched to the odd number clubs today. I'm used to the evens. Did I say that? He said something. Hot me. And so it's like that is an example. I think. Of I, well, you know that, what? Like, that's thrown out because I all, all my excuses that day were to, uh, a joke to, to you yeah. to kind of allude oh. to our conversation about excuses. But you get what I mean. Like yes, if you had shot well that day, you'd have been like, "Wow, well I, I'm, I'm a genius because I switch." Well, you're like, "I shot well because yeah. I'm a smart person because I switched and I found mm-hmm. the right combo." Mm-hmm. So, you saying I right. didn't play well that day. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You'd, I didn't. You played fine. I played mediocre. You kept sculling fairway bunker shots like 50 yards over the green. That well, hurt you weren't living under par. I hit one sculled fairway bunker shot, and it was the worst shot I've ever hit. It was more of like a, one of those. It wasn't greenside, and it wasn't fairway, so it was about a 60-yard shot that I tried to hit with an 8-iron, like a normal bunker shot. It did tough. not work. Hit about 100 yards over the green. So... Tough scene, but I'm ready for the excuses pod, though. All right, I'll bring my homework. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot as always. All right, um, thanks for the conversation. I guess I. Is it fitting that the day, out or two days after Phil's biggest win of his career, we spent 50 minutes talking about Tiger and his strategy? <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect way to summarize their two careers. Clean um, contact. Sorry, Phil, but. Um, I hit it. He's got a lot of money because that shot yeah. was a defining moment. When the defining moment yeah. comes along, you define the moment, or the moment defines you. Come back. Well, here it comes. Come back.